1: Hello there. It is great to be with you. I have a very unique episode planned for today. This is actually only available on the podcast. Over the Christmas holiday, I convinced my husband Gabriel to join me. So if the sound quality is a little different, we're actually recording from a little uh, makeshift home studio over Christmas vacation. So my husband Gabriel is with me for this episode of Trending. Thanks for being with us.
2: Hey, everyone.
1: You didn't really have a choice, did you? No. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about some really fun topics. We're taking a bunch of your questions. We picked about four questions that were sent in to us um, when I had kind of solicited from you guys on social media, hey, my husband's joining me. What do you want to hear about? So today we'll be talking a little bit about marriage, dating, uh, the Catholic faith, maybe for some people who were raised in Catholicism. They might find themselves, you know, years after high school or maybe in the midst of high school not liking it. Maybe you have a kid who's just not liking their faith, not wanting to participate. We'll be diving into your questions on that and more. So let's go ahead and get started. So Gabe, I want to talk about... The Fulton Sheen quotes, venerable Fulton Sheen quotes that are very popular, one of which I know you and I, especially when we were dating and even now, would send back and forth to each other. And I'll paraphrase the quote from venerable Fulton Sheen. He talks about when him, how a man loves a woman, he has to become worthy of her. And he talks about how the higher and higher her v- virtue, the more noble her character it really talks about how when she's seeking truth, justice, goodness, that makes it so that the man really has to aspire more and more to become worthy of this person. So worthy of the woman who is seeking to be virtuous, truthful, seeking justice, goodness. And he ends that quote by talking about how really all of this civilization could actually be written in terms of the level of its women. Because when women are good virtu- and virtuous, that raises a bar for men. What are your initial thoughts on this one?
2: Yeah, you know, I. the more I think about this, the more I realize that without women, men would just be completely barbaric.
3: <laughs> there,
2: there's, It's it's so strange to, to kind of really think about that because I've noticed in our marriage that you can, you tone me down to a healthy level.
3: Mm.
2: And... Um, what I'm beginning to discover is that women are actually more oriented towards the spiritual life than men. I personally believe that God gives women more graces than, than us because it's so simple for you, and I've, I've noticed it throughout my life, I, it's, it's so simple for women to just understand the faith
3: mm.
2: and to pray in silence and just sit in peace. When for me, like that's almost impossible for me to just just do it. So, like for example, I remember in college
1: because we went to college together. For those who don't know, our alma mater, GP Catholic, in San Diego.
2: Yeah, you would walk into the chapel, and we, so this is when you and I were dating. And I would say, like, you know, where are you going? She's like, and, you, and you'd say, Hey, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go to the chapel to pray. And I'm sitting there, like, thinking, Oh, like maybe I should do that. Like, I, I have nothing else better to do. Like, I should go in there as well. So that's what I did. And so that, that's when I'm discovering that. Men really do have to become worthy of their women.
1: Hmm.
2: I think that's just kind of fascinating.
1: So, I'm going to bring up a little bit of a funny story here. I remember when you decide, okay, I'll go with you, and I'd walk into the chapel, and it's a really small chapel, and I kind of, you know, sit toward the front on the left, and you wouldn't come and sit next to me. You'd sit like three (laughs) rows behind (laughs) me. That's true. (laughs) And I'd always wonder, like, Okay, well that's fine. Maybe he just wants a space to print. I always thought it was so weird. Why did you do that, by the way? I don't
2: know. I because I, I guess it was just a, it was a way for me to just physically look at what was going on. It's hard to explain. Were you
1: trying to figure out how to pray? Not
2: figure out how to pray, but I was just trying to figure out you. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So are you saying I was a distraction in the chapel? <laughs> maybe a bad distraction <laughs> maybe, there. <laughs> maybe. But it, I think that this is a really good story that you bring up. Because it makes me think of St. Edith Stein. And the goal would be for us women. St. Edith Stein talks about how, and again paraphrasing her, St. Edith Stein is St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross. How really the woman's soul is a place where other souls should be nourished and really unfold. Mm. That the spiritual life of others should unfold within women. And here's why. If we think about it from a biological reality, women have children. They have this ability to conceive children. But it's not just physical life that they give. It's spiritual life that they nourish as well. And so the hope would be that this is something that happens. And I think that this is one of those quotes where I actually want to think about what Venerable Fulton Sheen is saying from the perspective of, you know, for guys... What makes it hard, especially for, you know, we live in a culture with so much divorce, so much animosity within marriages that are intact, but also uh, a lot of difficulty with people who want to be married. We're mm. having a hard time meeting people. What are your thoughts, Gabe, as someone uh, who's seen this, has friends in the midst of it? What makes it hard for men to honor and respect women?
2: That's tough because we are so. Visual creatures. It's so easy for a man to look at the face value of a woman based on her presentation.
1: So reduce her to her body parts or just how she's acting on a superficial level? All all of it.
2: All of it. 100%. That's why men are attracted to beautiful things. And that's it. Period. Period. We are infatuated with that. And so when we see something that is so beautiful and pure, And then that person begins to lessen her value. That becomes like a scandal to us.
1: So then do women just become uninteresting? You know, guys are becoming disinterested mm, in women. Some guys are saying, you know, I'm not even interested in dating anymore. I'm checking out of dating, not interested in marriage. Do you think that's because so many women... I don't know, just become lazy with even wanting virtue, knowing what virtue is, trying to be good. It's almost as if we focused on just self-pleasing all the yeah, time. Yeah,
2: that's that's exactly right. Men, we want a mission. And if I, want to, if I want to work hard for something, then we will work hard for it. It d- doesn't matter how hard we'll do it. I mean, d- I mean d- it doesn't matter what the obstacles are. We will work hard for that.
1: So you're saying basically if a man sees a woman that is – a good person worth chasing after, essentially, that gives him a mission. But if she's not really someone that's not that interesting, if maybe she reveals too much of our body, you see too much of the nastiness in her behavior, there's no mission there. There's no mystery to be discovered. There's nothing to really elevate yourself up to to follow. And is Oh, I'm going to come up on that in a second. What were you going to say?
2: What I was going to say is, well, first off, you're, you're 100% correct. If I know... You know, I'm thinking in terms of a single man, if I see a a woman who is not living a pure life, I mean, if I could tell, why would I work hard? Why would I want to strive to be a leader, to just be a a well-disciplined man when that woman isn't doing that for herself at all? Like there's, again, men have to become worthy of her. That's Mm -hmm. our goal. We want to become well-oiled machines for you. Does that make sense? Mm
1: -hmm. It does. And I mentioned a second ago, you know, what would inspire a man to follow? It's not that, you know, we in women, if you're listening, you heard that you're like, yeah, how can I get a guy to follow me? It's like, no, we want him to chase after us. We want him to be inspired by who we are to join the same mission we are in. And I think that that's something that we saw in our own dating experience that we were constantly trying to get rid of the fluff and things that didn't need to be in the mission that weren't a mission Mm -hmm. before we could really kind of cut through and get to it a even healthier relationship and one day marriage.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah.
1: 100%. Okay. I want to change topic slightly here. It's another quote from Venerable Fulton Sheen. And this one is going to get into some of the controversy where we talk about Ephesians chapter five and kind of those ideals in marriage. I'm going to talk about this ideal that Venerable Fulton Sheen talks about as well. So we know that St. Paul in Ephesians talks about how wives are called to be. First, he talks about how husbands and wives are supposed to be mutually submissive to one another. Then he calls in particular to women to be submissive to their husbands. That means to be under the same mission. And then they give an even higher charge to men to lay down your life for your bride, just as Christ did for the church. And so, you know. I always say I don't think that we got that bad of a deal you know we're called to you know enter into the same mission of the husband hopefully you picked a good husband to enter into a mission with but then he's supposed to literally lay down his life in that mission so with that context here we have this quote from venerable Fulton Sheen and again I'm paraphrasing some of it he talks about how basically the man's role is to govern the home and that the woman's role is to reign and come on ladies who doesn't like that you know the idea of being queen of your own house but he essentially talks about how the this government for men, has to do with justice. And you have to remember, justice is giving the other person what is their due. And then he talks about how reigning for women is related to how we love. And in this, we find this complementarity between femininity and masculinity as God created us to be. And this is why God says it's not good for man to be alone. He created this complementarity and you see it within marriage. And so, Gabe, when I look at this, so the man's called to live in that state of governance in the home and really essentially justice, giving others their due. How is it hard to be just within marriage? And for those who maybe don't know this, Gabe and I haven't even been married a year. We are total rookies and we're in that first year of marriage. But I think that's kind of why it's fun to talk about some of this. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So what I've discovered, and I I know that our professor actually said this in marriage and family course um, back in college, that men are actually the head of the family. Mm-hmm. But the women, they are the heart. That's of the from Casti
1: Canubi. Yep. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. So church document.
2: What I have discovered is that women have a natural ability. It's. I mean, I could even. You could almost say it's a virtue. It, it's ability to nurture, to to be a nurturing mother, and men. It is our duty to be disciplined within marriage. And I'm, I'm actually seeing that in you. We, we don't even have a kid yet. And I'm already seeing this nurturing element to, to what it means to be a wife and soon-to-be mom, hopefully one day soon. But um, I just think that's fascinating that the more I see that in you, the more I want to be disciplined, the more I want to live a structured life so that I can understand how to steer the ship. Mm-hmm. Or and, and how to make difficult decisions.
1: But here's here's where I'm going to push back just a little bit. So you're kind of going back to that first quote still, where a man's becoming worthy of the woman, right, according to her virtue.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: And I think that this is talking about a man governing the home in relation to being just, right, and this justice giving others their due. Here's the hard part. Both of us are still called to our roles within marriage, even if one of us is failing. Yeah. So I'm going to put it this way. There are times and I mean, I think everyone can relate to this, whether you're married or not, where it's just hard to be loving. It's hard to be gentle. It's hard to be nice. I pray, I beg for the virtue of gentleness and kindness and generosity, you know, imitating the Blessed Virgin Mary and I mean, so many of the incredible saints before us, but sometimes it's hard and it's interesting because sometimes when I'm maybe having a bad morning, when For me, big surprise, if you know me, I tend to rush a lot. You know, if I'm rushing, sometimes I'm not good at making time, especially with you in the morning, to be loving, to be more thoughtful. And that can be scandalous, I realize, for you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm thinking, you know, just recently, a day this past week. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you can't continue to be just and fulfill your responsibilities as well, you know?
2: Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So I'm going to come back to that. How is it hard to be just? How is it hard to give others their due within marriage for you, maybe to take on, and I think of this in terms of the responsibilities that you have to yeah. take on as a husband.
2: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I think that um, I don't have a actual example, but what I can say is it's easier for me to separate an emotional bond versus what I must do
1: mm-hmm.
2: and how I must do it to make the right decision
1: so in other words, even if I'm being a punk and I've totally riled you, usually, often you can kind of pull back for a second, yeah, and still, you know do what you need to do.: Yeah, I
2: think it's important that men de- de- develop a skill of and again, I'm not I'm saying this for myself, I need to develop a skill of detachment. Mm-hmm. What is emotional? And what is just.
1: Yeah. So despite how I feel right now, even if I don't like you right now, even if you're being mean, whatever it might be, you know, there's still this act of love in terms of actions that are yeah. being accomplished within the home, outside of the home and so forth. Absolutely. I'm just going to throw this back out there. And it comes back on the first quote as well from Fulton Sheen, where we talk about how it's almost unfair, you know, s- on the part for women that it's women who have to hold a higher standard so that men want to meet it. It's women who have to have this, you know, more gentleness within the home. That's frustrating sometimes.
2: How so? Why is it frustrating?
1: I think it's frustrating because it makes women, specifically women of faith, feel like the pressure's on them. Like, you're not going to find a good guy unless you continue and continue and continue to almost be perfect. It almost puts the pressure of perfectionism on women. I think some women just check out and say, well, that's not going to be me. That's not me. Uh, and then other women, I think from my mindset, I think, okay, I need To be close to the sacraments, I need to be aware. I need to do that nightly examination of conscience and I need to start my day really being aware of what I'm struggling with. That's how I take it. But I think a lot of women shut down. And I can say there are some days where it's like, I'm not there, you know?
2: Yeah, no, that that actually makes a lot of sense. Can
1: I add one more thought? Sure. And I think a lot of women sometimes think, well, I'm not there, therefore I'm not worthy of being loved. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's something a lot of women struggle with. They feel like, well, I'm not worth being loved. Yeah. I'm not loved sometimes.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, a man just wants to see, we just need an initiator, and then we carry the rest. That's really kind of how it works.
1: Go on. Explain. (laughs) (laughs) So you need to initiate? I need to initiate?
2: No, sorry. It's kind of like we're going back to the chase, right? Mm -hmm. A man trying to find a mate and vice versa. I think that we want, and and this is going back to the initial, the first quote, we want to be worthy of you. We want to work for that. That's what really instills the manhood in every guy out there. When a man loves a woman, he has to be worthy of her. That's what Venerable Sheen says. But the point that I want to hit here, is, it's because men, it's in us to die for you. Like, it, I am married to you, and I vowed to God and to our families in church that I will lay down my life for you. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not a nice thing to say. And, and that's not an emotional thing to say. That's legitimately warfare mm-hmm. that in that moment, I have to give up my life so that you can continue to live. That's why it's so important for men to see if that if it's worthy enough to chase that girl. Does that make sense? Mm, so
1: discernment so important?
2: yeah, that's that's exactly why vulnerable Sheen is saying. When a man loves a woman, he has to become worthy of her,
1: and you also need to decide if you want to be worthy of that particular person. Yeah, like are you are you you're worth... called to make a big sacrifice?
2: Yeah, like are you worth dying for? Because that that's a serious question. To I ask.
1: know you're stuck now, buddy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so, seeing a a woman who is virtuous, and when I when I say virtuous, I mean a woman who is prayerful, a woman that attends, uh, stays close to the sacraments, who takes her faith seriously. That's super hot. Are you kidding? <laughs> that's awesome. I I mean for, for a good Catholic guy that just wants to stay in who doesn't want to just die in hell and just live a life that's away from sin, we need to make sure that it's worth it. Yeah. I don't want to find a slut and then bring her an evangel, I mean that's <laughs> that's going to be tough. Like like what's that's like an impossible mission. I want to make sure that I could fight that my mate is kind of on that same page with me. So that when it, when it comes time for me to be a man, I have that nurturing wife to support me because mm-hmm. she understands her roles.
1: So just to resummarize, you're really emphasizing like what Fulton Sheen said really does speak to the heart. Men need something to be worthy of. They need to be inspired. But isn't that also our whole Catholic faith? We are so inspired and in awe of God that if we are truly living our faith, that's going to be infectious and draw other people in.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay, I want to come up on some of our questions that we've received from listeners. But before we do that, just a message about our sponsors. Solidarity HealthShare is simple to help pay for affordable, quality health care. They enable the community to share in each other's eligible medical expenses. You choose the doctors that you want to see. Even integrative and alternative medical treatments are eligible. Solidarity HealthShare helps pay for NAPRO technology and costs associated with natural family planning. Solidarity Health Share is dedicated to both faith and your health care. Information is available at solidarityhealthshare.org. Again, that's solidarityhealthshare.org. Okay, so here's one of the questions we received. We're taking four of them today from Dave. He said, Timory, I think we burnt our son out on the Catholic religion. Basically, he told me he's done. He's been going to parochial school since kindergarten. Now in is in high school, so he's gone through Catholic school. And he was saying, I think he's kind of upset about the confirmation process. He's going. What should I tell him? So, Gabe, before I even dive into this, uh, for those who are listening, I was homeschooled. Um, I received much of my faith formation at home. Uh, you know, I attended high school um, youth group, but you know, my parents saw it. Especially my mom, it's her responsibility to raise us in the catholic faith and she really did work on our catechesis gabe your experience you grew up went all through catholic high school yeah and catholic grade school catholic college catholic grad school i mean you were like hardcore (laughs) no other education yet you had a lot of frustration Mm -hmm. with catholic school until you hit college oh yeah so could you see where this guy's coming from
2: oh 100 i hated my faith in high school Easy. I mean, I had a professor in high school tell me that Mother Mary had kids and she was married to Joseph and it was other kids. Yeah. And she was not a virgin. I had my philosophy professor just talk about basketball all the time, like the, the, the entire time. And it was frustrating. It was really, really frustrating, especially because Catholic schools are known for being the party schools. I saw some nasty stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I, I just I totally understand how he's just completely checked out. And I wish I wish someone told me in high school that being Catholic is it's not just one hour a week. Being Catholic is actually physical. It requires hard work. Well, that hard work yields intense spiritual growth. And when I say physical and hard work, I mean, like for men, you need a fast go work out, do some go on a hike, do something physical f- for Jesus. Like don't do it for yourself. Make
1: sacrifices. Make
2: sacrifices. You can just don't eat anything for 24 hours. I mean that's going to suck but I mean that's the point. Like suck it up.
1: But have a purpose in doing it. Yeah,
2: it's yeah. it's for the fast. I mean
1: It's not just for the fast, it's for okay so, like yeah, I'm yeah, offering yeah. this suffering to you or maybe I'm offering it for a specific yeah. intention. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean that's that's or, th- that's the purpose of the fast. I mean yeah. Being Catholic is not supposed to be this relatable, you know, emotional, pleasing thing. As men, we must look at our faith like actual warfare. You're not striving for holiness. If you're not striving for perfection on earth, then you have to ask yourself, where is your soul going to go? There's only two options. It's either heaven or hell. Mm -hmm. And both places are eternal. That is so difficult to tell someone who's in high school. But... That is the most opportune moment to like to, to seize your faith. And the best advice that I could say is, number one, fast. Do hard things. Wake up before the sun rises. Detach yourself from friends that are causing you to sin. And pray the rosary.
1: Yeah. I remember I was speaking at an event recently, and they, they were fresh college students. And I looked at you, and I said, If you were a freshman in college, given your experience in college, you know maybe not really being satisfied, maybe not being as interested in your faith, what do you wish that you had been told? I remember you looked at me and you said, I wish someone told me that to be Christian, like to be Catholic, like the path is to Golgotha, to the place of the dead. And I remember you saying that and we ended up talking a lot about that With the freshmen that year at the college event. And it was so interesting to me because we talked a lot about how essentially to be Catholic is to recognize that we're made for heaven, sin gets in the way, and we need to. Literally eradicate sin from our lives. Yeah. And that's the message that we need to hear. So then coming back on that, you know, Dave, if your son's receiving, you know, watered down, poor, or maybe heretical catechesis, he doesn't know what the heck Catholics believe. In fact, I mean we all know that all of us can be bad Catholics and be scandalous Catholics at times. It sounds like he A really needs to see good models of Catholicism, but then B, I'm gonna put this back on you. You know, you say you say you think that he's upset about the confirmation process do you know what he's upset about have you really asked him and listened have you gotten him to the point where he's willing to have that conversation i don't know go on a drive you know guys talk side by side they don't really talk face to face i've been learning this more and more in marriage (laughs) that is true Uh, especially when i'm like would you look at me while i'm talking to you you're like i just want to drive i just want to do dishes while we talk i'm listening Mm -hmm. um but you know you as a father have a really incredible opportunity to ask your son like hey What don't you like about confirmation? Why don't you want to do it? You know, sometimes just ask. But then too, here's the other perspective I'll throw in there. The primary role of married persons is to have and raise their children and to educate their children in their faith. And I think sometimes we forget that and we allow the catechesis to take place when we send them to Catholic school or we send them to youth group for confirmation. If your kid's not liking his confirmation program, Maybe work with the priest or a priest in the area to teach the Confirmation Catechesis to your son, yourself. And you may say, hey, I don't think I'm qualified for that. Well, I have to tell you, read it. Go through it with him. Be inspired and awed all over again by your faith. And this could be a really awesome opportunity for you to help put the one-on-one relationship time into helping save um, the faith of your son because, I mean, when he goes to college, you can do as much as you can to influence him and love him and to be a good role model. But these are important years you have to form him.
2: Yeah. And to add something, it's not possible to be burnt out from the faith. It's he's burnt out from whatever's happening within catechesis.
1: Yeah. What isn't the faith?
2: Yeah. I, mm. Absolutely. I mean, and I think that, you know, how I. I have a strong dislike for Catholic retreats.
3: Yes. <laughs> that That
2: is something that you could be burnt out on. Yeah. Because that's emotional and I don't like the retreat high and I don't want to just like wave my hands in the air and be like, oh my gosh, Jesus loves me. Like I don't – like that's not what I need. But so like but what I do need is proper catechesis. Yeah. What I do need is prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. And I think that Dave, your son, I think that he would appreciate – a more deeper, more rich, and more truthful teaching of the faith because that you can't get burnt out on.
1: And even if it comes from you and it's not perfect, I think he'd appreciate it. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's, you know, the maybe most extreme solution.
2: Oh, yeah. I think that it would be even more meaningful coming from you, the father, the patriarch of the family. It's almost more essential and crucial for him to hear the faith coming from you.
1: Next question, we're going to go ahead and take a question from Kaylee. She's not Catholic, and so she was wondering, because she's looking at possibly dating a young guy who is Catholic, she's wondering how Catholic moms differ from non-denominational moms. So she's wondering what are going to be the expectations of his mom on her and on the son if they end up dating. She said, you know, I haven't really noticed a lot. She said, I want to be respectful. I do notice um, that there is kind of this greater desire to have children. But other than that, I really want to respect the tradition. So great question, Kaylee. Thanks for listening. I think that first and foremost, you did hit a nail on the head for something that Catholics hold very high. And we're going to get further into this question, so make sure you keep listening uh, with another question coming up. But first and foremost, if you're dating someone who's Catholic, the expectation is that They will and they have to get married in the Catholic Church. Not only that, when you guys get married in the Catholic Church, you don't have to convert. If you want to convert, I mean, you are completely free. But the expectation is, is that when you get married in the Catholic Church, that you vow to raise your children Catholic, even if you're not Catholic. And so that that is really could be a deal breaker possibly for you or for him if you're not willing to go there or vice versa you know depending on what's going on. But two, when you get married, there's a fundamental teaching within the church that you have to be open to ma- to children, and that the primary role of marriage is to have children and raise them in the faith. And so that means that no birth control, not only because. It is intrinsically not open to life and God's providential plan. But most forms of birth control work as an abortifacient, which, uh, if you are aware of some of the pro life work, and I believe you are, um, it Instead of preventing the sperm and egg from ever meeting, it can also, if the sperm and egg do meet, creating a new genetic human life, a zygote in the earliest stages of human life, that can actually kill the baby either before implantation, on its way to implantation, or even once it's implanted, because it can cause chemical imbalances and so forth that are not supportive for pregnancy. And so that can actually kill a baby in the earliest stages. So that's kind of two reasons as to why birth control isn't okay. And if you want more, we can talk about that a little bit more another time. Um, So I think that those are some key elements that are the biggest things to be aware of. Do you have anything else, Gabe?
2: Really, I would just like to say that I would not be afraid to just be open to the Catholic faith. Be eager. Learning about it? Yeah. Be eager to learn specifically about the sacraments and where they are in sacred scripture.
1: And I think that's a really good point because I would ask that if you're going to date someone who's Catholic, be willing to learn. I'm not asking you for to convert. And, you know, I think that there should never be this forced pressure, you know, and maybe – this guy that you're looking at dating, maybe he will come up to you. And I have to say this was something my sister did say when she started dating who is now her husband. Like, look, I want you to know, you know, at first date, she laid the cards on the table. I'm not having sex before marriage. And she made it very, very clear that whoever she marries is going to be Catholic. And so that didn't say, hey, you have to convert. But these are deal breakers for me. And so I don't know if this guy has those as deal breakers. But these are things you guys, A, should talk about. But then B, you should better understand the faith so that you're not frustrated over why either you have misunderstood or just outright don't understand.
2: Yeah. And also, one of the things that I, I love so much about being Catholic is that we have a mom. And the the best way to learn about the faith and to just be respectful of it is to just Meditate on the rosary. Maybe ask someone close to you if they know how to pray one, or, or you can look it up. But I mean, it's it's definitely a life changing experience, and I think that would be so beneficial for your relationship.
1: That's a big leap too, because I mean, if you're non denominational, this is a whole new concept. And depending on if the guy you're dating is um, does have a devotion to the rosary, uh, that's that's something you know. Maybe just understand what it is better and understand better the respect that Catholics have for Mary because I think there is a lot of confusion that often is there and I don't want it to frustrate you. It it also shows, and I throw this out there, Kaylee, the level of respect that Catholics have for women when you understand the respect and honor they do show to Our Lady. Okay, so our next question, Melvin asked, I would appreciate if you could talk about openness to life in marriage. This is an awesome question. Uh, I'll just just start by emphasizing what the Catholic Church's teaching is. We talked first about the primary role of Catholics, Catholic married couples, but let's talk about being open to life. We're called to always have two elements in every sexual act, that we are uh, united in the sexual act and that every sexual act is procreative. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to have a baby every time you have sex. What it means is that you need to be completely open to life, and two, you need to be united. You need to not have a any type of barrier method, um, no type of you know psychological barrier um, in terms of like if you are using a barrier method, if you are using birth control, that's not unitive. It's not open to life, but it's also not psychologically unitive because it's saying there's something that I'm not open to in you, and vice versa. So with that, I just want to touch briefly, and then Gabe, I want to get your thoughts here. We have the topic of natural family planning, and Kaylee, if you're still listening, you know, what are the Catholic expectations about uh, marriage and so forth? One of the things that we do have within the tradition of the church is natural family planning, and natural family planning respects, and we could get into a lot more, um, if there is a grave reason for needing to avoid having a child at a particular time, you would abstain from sexual engagement during your fertile time during the month. Um, And so that is one way that God has naturally ordained our bodies to be infertile most of the month. And then two, uh, that we would practice extreme um, chastity and respect for one another. Now, natural family planning can also be used to help achieve pregnancy for those who are really desiring to have children. So again, NFP is not Catholic birth control. And I think some people do unfortunately use it with that type of attitude, even though you know you can't have an abortion or anything from it. Uh, and I think that's a challenge to everyone listening to really um, be prayerful about why you may or may not use NFP. So on a personal level, kind of diving into this more, Gabe, I want to get your thoughts. Again, let's talk about openness to life. What do you think?
2: I would never separate the openness to life and marriage. I think that if you are ready to be married, that means that you are ready to be a parent. Mm-hmm. You are ready to be a father and a mother. You are ready for family. Mm-hmm. I never had that conversation with you post-marriage. Like, hey, are you ready to have a child?
1: <laughs> Do you it, want to have kids? Like, we we knew, you know? Yeah.
2: I remember when we were dating, I was like, listen, I want kids. I want all boys. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, that's really what I want to say is that marriage and family and children – that unit, it's it's all one. Mm-hmm. And I don't like how we now live in a culture where we separate all of that, when it's never supposed to be separated.
1: Absolutely, they all go hand in hand. If you don't want children, you shouldn't be getting married.
2: Yeah, and if you're not ready for children, then you're not ready for marriage.
1: Mm-hmm. But at the same time, who is ready for children? You know, and I think we need to overcome sometimes our fears. And I think this is why, if you are single, if you are dating, maybe you're dating longer than you wished you had. I know that was kind of your and my story use this time wherever you're at even if you don't have children yet to really work on your prayer life and growing in virtue like know what the virtues are because you're going to be better disposed when children come because having kids is hard and just ask anyone i mean that will sanctify you that will call you to be a better person
2: and dude we're only 10 months in i mean it's and it's already hard you know like we still have hundreds of years left.
1: Hundreds of years. (laughs) Well, and I do want to say one other perspective on this openness to life issue. It's not something that I have really shared publicly, but we found out after we got married that uh, I have a couple of autoimmune diseases. We had already known that I had had um, food allergies for, gosh, over 15 years now. Uh, But All of these autoimmune disease issues we found uh, put me at high risk of miscarriage and infertility, difficulty um, conceiving a baby. And so we have already kind of faced some of those challenges. Again, we've only been married a year. But I bring this up because I hear this as a theme for a lot of people. It's not always as easy for everyone to conceive a child as we sometimes think that it is.
2: Yeah. And that's really what the mission's about. Right. I mean, that's OK. So you and I are at a, at a slight stumbling block. OK, well, let's work through it. Let's create a battle plan. You know, that's kind of that's why kind of coming full circle from the previous things that we've talked about. That's why the mission uh, is important. That's why the roles are important. That's why prayer life is so important. I mean, that's why everything builds on each other.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where I've also been really grateful because you have also taken ownership. You know, I remember when I called you after leaving the doctor's office and saying, hey, like, this is what we're facing. And you said, "Okay, you know, if you have this disease, I have that disease. And, you know, if you're struggling with this, I'm struggling with this. And. It made me laugh and it put a lot of pressure taken off my shoulders because that's really how you have lived with it. You know, I've had to live a – I already had to live a very strict life in terms of my food allergies, mm-hmm. but it put an even greater responsibility on t- in terms of how I take care of myself, and you've taken ownership of that as well. You haven't just left the burden on me.
2: Yeah, and I think that if, if I wasn't – that's what it means for a man to be, to be worthy of a woman. I, I need to meet you at your level. Mm -hmm. I need to work hard to get to your level. That's how I look at it.
1: Yeah. And I'll just throw a word out there for anyone who might find this has been difficult. The Creighton model, natural family planning, you know, I have been working with a NAPRO doctor and other specialists on everything. It's hard for those who like really are doing it. It's not easy. And I could see how using, um, working with a fertility care practitioner, paying attention to your cycle, um, where that could become um, so calculated and trying to, you know, overly manipulate when you conceive or how you avoid having children, whatever it might be, you know, this is where I think trusting in God is also a fundamental part of it, but also at the same time where I'm so grateful. For Pope Paul VI and the calling of the church and the church rising to the occasion when Pope Paul VI talked about the need to be further aware of the woman's body and how it functions with regard to fertility. I mean, they wouldn't have found out what was going on with me had it not been for the Catholic Church and its awesome health care. Okay, we've got one more question, you guys. Again, my husband Gabriel's here with me. I call him Gabe. Um, we are loving this. It's been a fun episode. It's not that bad, is it? No, it's not bad. Okay, good. you <laughs> are enjoying this. Poor guy. I'm like, he's like, I don't know if I want to do this. So the last question, which is really a fun one uh, that we really, I think, settled pretty well into pretty quick in marriage and then it's been changing and growing and evolving is from Jenny. And she said, how do you pray together as a married couple? Why don't you go ahead and take this one to start?
2: Yeah. Um, from my perspective, it's important that I initiate the prayer or I lead us in the prayer because that's what we must do as men. We're the patriarchs. We're the priests of the family. And it's important that we have structured time for prayer. 8.30 p.m. There's an alarm on my on my phone that says, okay, tonight, right now we pray. In the mornings, we pray. Uh, before meals, we pray. We, you know, it's It's... I make sure that there are moments that we detach and we just give those moments to God
3: mm-hmm.
2: within our relationship. And I think that's that's a really important thing for, for men to do. Men, we are the ones that should lead the family, to lead our families to, to pray. And we don't have kids yet, and I'm so happy to know that we are developing a solid habit because during nights when we, when we almost forget to pray or when it's past 830, I could feel it like oh man we haven't prayed yet. And so I hope that that we I hope that we continue that habit when we do have children so that our children grow up knowing that there are moments in their lives where we have to pray and then it just becomes it becomes part of our DNA. Mm-hmm. We just don't it just it becomes easier, hopefully.
1: Yeah. Well, and I don't think of it as when we have to pray, but when we pray, this is when we pray. So, you know, in the morning, you and I praying together is next to impossible unless it happens to be a weekend when nothing's going on. We wake up at the same time. Mm-hmm. But even then, it's like, do you really want to pray out loud together? I think both of us usually like to pray quietly in the morning to mm-hmm. ourselves and do our own thing. And, and you know, we have different Types of prayers and things that like we like to go through. I like to go through uh, the liturgy of the hours in the divine office in the morning. I usually go to morning mass. I know you have things that you do.
2: Yeah, I I pray deliverance prayers. Mm-hmm. I think that's those are powerful, especially for especially because as the priest of the family, it's important to to be the guardian mm-hmm. of the family as well. Yeah. you know, and so I am expelling those demons that are I don't know. It, they somehow infiltrate in some capacity i, I don't know if yeah. jimmy g wants to cut this out
1: <laughs> no no that's a great and shout out to jimmy g our sound engineer gabe was really relieved when he knew we had to someone if we say something horrible um <laughs> he's always there to have our backs um but i think that this is what's so wonderful for me is to know you're praying those deliverance prayers in the morning for us uh for our home for god to sanctify our space which is so important and you know taking on that priestly role we're all called to live that priestly role to make sacrifices right and that's a huge part of what you've taken seriously as a husband i know for evening prayers what we usually do uh, this is kind of our go-to so we pr- pray together and i think that it's important not only to have the time so for us it's always 8:30 30 p.m uh, we're able to make that happen you know even if you have to finish getting ready after whatever it is and 8.30, we kneel down. We kneel before crucifix, an image of our Blessed Virgin Mary, and we will pray, you know, out loud together. We have specific sets of prayers that, that we do. We follow the Auxilium Christianorum, which uh, has deliverance prayers within it as well. And we will also always do an examination of conscience, you know, quietly on our own and then together pray our act of contrition. And we have our litany of saints that we pray to intercede for us at a become important to us in our marriage but also individually
3: mm-hmm.
1: and then after that we pray Alexio Divina we invoke the Holy Spirit and we read a sacred scripture so we're always working through one book of scripture older New Testament we kind of have fun deciding which one at the end of each book and we re- read one chapter a night and it's neat because it allows both of us to work on reading out loud and uh, we split the chapter in half but then we really take time to go through what really stood out to us and mm-hmm. what questions we have
2: mm-hmm. And also, several times a week, you and I, um, we definitely pray the rosary together. Mm
1: -hmm. We pray the rosary, and then we usually, we go to daily mass, or sorry, Sunday mass together. And then you usually join me for daily mass at least once a week in adoration together. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and so we kind of set it up on our calendars. Okay, Thursday morning is the day, you know, we'll go to daily mass together. We'll go to adoration after. We found that we have to schedule it in. If you don't schedule and if you don't have a plan, it's not going to happen together, yet alone will it happen by yourself. Yep. And I know that's something you've really done. You wake up extra early so that you have that time to pray. I mean, you wake up at 4.30 every morning.
2: Mm. Yeah, I, I do that so that I can spend that half hour in prayer.
1: Absolutely. Well, it's been fun. Thank you so much to my husband, Gabriel, for joining us for this special episode of Trending that is, again, only available on the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. Let us know what other questions you might have. Maybe I can get him to do this again with me sometime (laughs) soon. And again, if the audio isn't the same as it usually is, it's because we kind of set up our makeshift in-home studio. Thanks for being with us.
0: This has been Trending with Timmery. To book her to speak or learn more about her guests, visit radiotrending.com. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes.